Part three of First Successful Ascent of Mount Rainier, eighteen seventy, by Hazard Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. It was now five p.m. We had spent eleven hours of unremitting toil in making the ascent and thoroughly fatigued and chilled by the cold bitter gale we saw ourselves obliged to pass the night on the summit without shelter or food except our meagre lunch it would have been impossible to descend the mountain before nightfall and sure destruction to attempt it in darkness we concluded to return to a mass of rocks not far below and there pass the night as best we could burrowing in the loose debris the middle peak of the mountain however was evidently the highest and we determined to first visit it retracing our steps along the narrow crest of peak success as we named the scene of our triumph we crossed an intervening depression in the dome and ascended the middle peak about a mile distant and two hundred feet higher than peak success climbing over a rocky ridge which crowns the summit we found ourselves within a circular crater two hundred yards in diameter filled with a solid bed of snow and enclosed with a rim of rocks projecting above the snow all around as we crossed the crater on the snow van trump detected the odor of sulphur and the next instant numerous jets of steam and smoke were observed issuing from the crevices of the rocks which formed the rim on the northern side never was a discovery more welcome hastening forward we both exclaimed as we warmed our chilled and benumbed extremities over one of pluto's fires that here we would pass the night secure against freezing to death at least these jets were from the size of that of a large steam pipe to a faint scarcely perceptible emission and issued all along the rim among the loose rocks on the northern side for more than half the circumference of the crater at intervals they would puff up more strongly and the smoke would collect in a cloud until blown aside and scattered by the wind and then their force would abate for a time a deep cavern extending into and under the ice and formed by the action of heat was found its roof was a dome of brilliant green ice with long icicles pendant from it while its floor composed of the rocks and debris which formed the side of the crater descended at an angle of thirty degrees forty feet within its mouth we built a wall of stones enclosing a space five by six feet with a strong jet of steam and heat unlike the angular broken rocks met with elsewhere within the crater we found well-rounded boulders and stones of all sizes worn as smooth by the trituration of the crater as by the action of water nowhere however did we observe any new lava or other evidences of recent volcanic action excepting these issues of steam and smoke enclosed within the rude shelter thus hastily constructed we discussed our future prospects while we ate our lunch and warmed ourselves at our natural register the heat at the orifice was too great to bear for more than an instant but the steam wet us the smell of sulphur was nauseating and the cold was so severe that our clothes saturated with the steam 
froze stiff when turned away from the heated jet the wind outside roared and whistled but it did not much affect us secure within our cavern except when an occasional gust came down perpendicularly however we passed a most miserable night freezing on one side and in a hot steam sulphur bath on the other the dawn at last slowly broke cold and gray the tempest howled still wilder as it grew light dense masses of driven mist went sweeping overhead and completely hid the sun and enveloped the mountain so as to conceal objects scarce a hundred feet distant we watched and waited with great anxiety fearing a storm which might detain us there for days without food or shelter or worse yet snow which would render the descent more perilous or most likely impossible and when at nine a m an occasional rift in the driving mist gave a glimpse of blue sky we made haste to descend first however i deposited the brass plate inscribed with our names in a cleft in a large boulder on the highest summit a huge mount of rocks on the east side of our crater of refuge which we named crater peak placed the canteen alongside and covered it with a large stone i was then literally freezing in the cold piercing blast and was glad to hurry back to the crater breathless and benumbed we left our den of refuge at length after exercising violently to start the blood through our limbs and in attempting to pass around the rocky summit discovered a second crater larger than the first perhaps three hundred yards in diameter it is circular filled with a bed of snow with a rocky rim all around and numerous jets of steam issuing from the rocks on the northern side both craters are inclined the first to the west and the latter to the east with a much steeper inclination about thirty degrees the rim of the second crater is higher or the snowfield inside lower than that of the first and upon the east side rises in a rocky wall thirty feet above the snow within from the summit we obtained a view of the northern peak still partially enveloped in the driving mist it appeared about a mile distant several feet lower than the center peak and separated from it by a deeper more abrupt depression or gap than that separating crater and success peaks like the latter too it is a sharp narrow ridge springing out from the main mountain and swept bare of snow on its summit by the wind the weather was still too threatening the glimpses of the sun and sky through the thick flying scud were too few and fugitive to warrant us in visiting this peak which we named peak tacoma to perpetuate the indian name of the mountain our route back was the same as on the ascent at the steepest and most perilous point in descending the steep gutter where we had been forced to cut steps in the ice we fastened one end of the rope as securely as possible to a projecting rock and lowered ourselves down by it as far as it reached thereby passing the place with comparative safety we were forced to abandon the rope here having no means of unfastening it from the rock above we reached the foot of the rocky ledge or ridge where the real difficulties and dangers of the ascent commenced at one thirty p m 
four and a half hours after leaving the crater we had been seven and a half hours in ascending from this point to the summit of peak success and in both cases we toiled hard and lost no time we now struck out rapidly and joyfully for camp when nearly there van trump in attempting to descend a snowbank without his creepers which he had taken off for greater ease in walking fell shot like lightning forty feet down the steep incline and struck among some loose rocks at its foot with such force as to rebound several feet into the air his face and hands were badly skinned and he received some severe bruises and a deep wide gash upon his thigh fortunately the camp was not far distant and thither with great pain and very slowly he managed to hobble once there i soon started a blazing fire made coffee and roasted choice morsels of a marmot sluiskin having killed and dressed four of these animals during our absence their flesh like the badgers is extremely muscular and tough and has a strong disagreeable doggy odor towards the close of our repast we observed the indian approaching with his head down and walking slowly and wearily as though tired by a long tramp he raised his head as he came nearer and seeing us for the first time stopped short gazed long and fixedly and then slowly drew near eyeing us closely the while as if to see whether we were real flesh and blood or disembodied ghosts fresh from the evil demon of tacoma he seemed both astonished and delighted to find us safe back and kept repeating that we were strong men and had brave hearts skookum tillicum skookum tutum he expected never to see us again he said and had resolved to start the next morning for olympia to report our destruction the weather was still raw and cold a dense cloud overhung and shrouded the triple crown of tacoma and made us rejoice at our timely descent the scanty shelter afforded by the few balsam firs about our camp had been destroyed by the fire and the situation was terribly exposed to the chilly and piercing wind that blew from the great ice fields van trump however was too badly hurt to think of moving that night heating some large stones we placed them at our feet and closely wrapped in our blankets slept soundly upon the open ground although we awoke in the morning benumbed and chilled we found many fresh tracks and signs of the mountain sheep upon the snowfields and hair and wool rubbed off upon rocks and places where they had lain at night the mountain sheep of tacoma is much larger than the common goat and is found only upon the loftiest and most secluded peaks of the cascade range even sluiskin a skillful hunter and accustomed to the pursuit of this animal for years failed to kill one notwithstanding he hunted assiduously during our entire stay upon the mountain three days sluiskin was greatly chagrined at his failure and promised to bring each of us a sheepskin the following summer a promise which he faithfully fulfilled the glacial system of tacoma is stupendous 
the mountain is really the focal center and summit of a region larger than massachusetts and the five large rivers which water this region all find their sources in its vast glaciers they are the cowlitz which empties into the columbia the white puyallup and nisqually rivers which empty into puget sound sixty forty and twelve miles respectively north of olympia and the Wenas, which flows eastward through the range and empties into the yakima which joins the columbia four hundred miles above its mouth these are all large streams from seventy to a hundred miles in length the white puyallup and cowlitz rivers are each navigable for steamboats for some thirty miles and like the nisqually show their glacial origin by their white and turgid water which indeed gives the former its name the southwestern sides of the mountain furnish the glaciers which form the sources of the nisqually and one of these at sluiskin's falls has been already described the main nisqually glacier issues from the deep abyss overhung by the vast rock along the face of which our route of ascent lay and extends in a narrow and somewhat crooked canyon for two miles the ice at its extremity rises in an abrupt wall five hundred feet high and a noisy torrent pours out with great force from beneath this feature is characteristic of every glacier the main cowlitz glacier issues from the southeast side just to the right of our ridge of ascent its head fills a deep gorge at the foot of the eastern front or face of the great mass of rock just referred to and the southern face of which overhangs the main nisqually glacier thus the heads of these glaciers are separated only by this great rock and are probably not more than half a mile apart while their mouths are three miles apart several smaller glaciers serve to swell the waters of the cowlitz in like manner the glaciers from the western side form the puyallup and those from the northern and northwestern sides the white river the principal white river glacier is nearly ten miles long and its width is from two to four miles its depth or the thickness of its ice must be thousands of feet streams and rivulets under the heat of the sun flow down its surface while swallowed by the crevasses and a lakelet of deep blue water an eighth of a mile in diameter has been observed upon the solid ice pouring down the mountain the ice by its immense weight and force has gouged out a mass upon the northeastern side a mile in thickness the geological formation of tacoma poorly resists the eroding power of these mighty glaciers for it seems to be composed not of solid rock but of a basaltic conglomerate in strata as though the volcanic force had burst through and rent in places some earlier basaltic outflow and had heaped up this vast pile from the fragments in successive strata on every side the mountain is slowly disintegrating what other peak can offer to scientific examination or to the admiration of tourists fourteen living glaciers of such magnitude issuing from every side or such grandeur beauty and variety of scenery at daylight 
we broke up our camp at Sluiskin's Falls and moved slowly, on account of Van Trump's hurt, down the ridge about five miles to Clear Creek, where we again regaled ourselves upon a hearty repast of marmots, or raw dog, as Van Trump styled them, in derision both of the viand and the cookery. I was convinced, from the lay of the country, that Clear Creek flowed into the Nisqually, or was, perhaps, the main stream itself, and that the most direct and feasible route back to Bear Prairie would be found by following down the valley of these streams to the trail leading from the Nisqually to Bear Prairie. Besides, it was evidently impossible for Van Trump, in his bruised and injured state, to retrace our rough route over the mountains. Leaving him as comfortable as possible, with all our scanty stock of flour and marmots, sufficient to last him nearly a week in case of need, I started immediately after dinner, with Sluiskin leading the way to explore this new route. The Indian had opposed the attempt strenuously, insisting with much urgency that the stream flowed through canyons impossible for us to traverse. He now gradually veered away from the course of the stream until ere long he was leading directly up the steep mountain range upon our former route, when I called him back preemptorily and kept him in the rear for a little distance. Traveling through open timber, over ground rapidly descending, we came at the end of two miles to where the stream is hemmed in between one of the long ridges or spurs from Tacoma and the high mountain chain on the south. The stream, receiving many affluents on both sides, its clear waters soon discolored by the yeasty glacial torrents, here loses its peaceful flow, and for upwards of three miles rushes furiously down a narrow, broken, and rocky bed in a succession of falls and cascades of great picturesque beauty. With much toil and difficulty we picked our way over a wide talus of huge broken granite rocks and boulders along the foot of a vast mountain of solid granite on the south side of the river until near the end of the defile then crossed the stream and soon after encountered a still larger branch coming from the north direct from tacoma the product doubtless of the glaciers of the southern and southwestern sides fording this branch just above its confluence with the other we followed the general course of the river now unmistakably the nisqually for about four miles then leaving it we struck off nearly south through the forest for three miles and emerged upon the bare prairie the distance was about thirteen miles from where we left van trump and we were only some six hours in travelling it while it took seventeen hours of terribly severe work to make the mountain route under sluiskin's guidance without his help on the shorter route too it would have taken me more than twice the time it did for the manner in which after entering the defile of the nisqually sluiskin again took the lead and proceeded in a direct and unhesitating course securing every advantage of the ground availing himself of the wide rocky bars along the river crossing and recrossing the milky flood which rushed along with terrific swiftness and fury 
and occasionally forcing his way through the thick timber and underbrush in order to cut off wide bends of the river and at length leaving it and striking boldly through the forest to bear prairie proved him familiar with every foot of the country his objections to the route evidently arose from the jealousy so common with his people of further exploration of the country by the whites as long as they keep within the limits already known and explored they are faithful and indefatigable guides but they invariably interpose every obstacle their ingenuity can suggest to deter the adventurous mountaineer from exposing the few last hidden recesses that remain unexplored mr coleman was found safe in camp and seemed too glad to see us to think of reproaching us for our summary abandonment he said that in attempting to follow us he climbed up so precipitous a place that encumbered with his heavy pack he could neither advance nor recede he was compelled therefore to throw off the pack which rolled to the very bottom of the mountain and being thus delivered of his necessary outfit he was forced to return to camp he had been unable to find his pack but having come across some cricketer's spikes among his remaining effects he was resolved to continue his trip too and make the ascent of rainier by himself he had just completed his preparations and especially had deposited on top of the lofty mountain which overlooked the prairie two caches or stores of provisions at daylight next morning sluiskin with his little boy riding one of his own ponies himself riding our little calico-colored pack-horse now well rested and saucy started back for van trump with directions to meet us at the trail on the nisqually a heavy drizzling rain set in soon afterwards mr coleman who had gone early to bring in the contents of his mountain-top caches returned about noon with a very small bundle and packing our traps upon sluiskin's other pony we moved over to the rendezvous pitched coleman's large gum sheet as a partial shelter made a rousing fire and tried to be comfortable late in the afternoon the pony set up a violent neighing and in a few minutes van trump and sluiskin with his little boy behind him rode up drenched to the skin by following the bed of the river frequently crossing and recrossing the indian had managed to ride to the very foot of the nisqually defile when leaving the horses in this boy's care he hastened to van trump and carefully led and assisted him down despite the pain of his severe hurts the latter was much amused at sluiskin's account of our trip and of finding mr coleman safe in camp making tea and for long after would repeat as an excellent joke sluiskin's remark on passing the point where he had attempted to mislead me skookum tennis man hi you goddamn we sent the horses back by the indian to bear prairie for grass there being no indications of the rain ceasing the storm indeed lasted three days during which we remained sheltered beneath the gum sheet as far as possible and endeavored to counteract the rain by heaping up our fire in front about eight o'clock on the second morning sluiskin reported himself with our horse 
which he returned he said because he was about to return to his lodge on the cowlitz being destitute of shelter and food for his family on bear prairie he vigorously replenished the fire declined breakfast jeered coleman for turning back although probably the latter did not comprehend his broken lingo and departed sluiskin was an original and striking character leading a solitary life of hardships amidst these wilds yet of unusual native intelligence he had contrived during rare visits to the settlements to acquire the chinook jargon besides a considerable stock of english words while his fund of general information was really wonderful he was possessed of a shrewd sarcastic wit and making no pretense to the traditional gravity of his race did not scruple to use it freely yet beneath this he cherished a high sense of pride and personal independence although of the blood of the numerous and powerful yakimas who occupied the country just east of the cascades he disdained to render allegiance to them or any tribe and undoubtedly regarded the superintendent of indian affairs or even the great father at washington himself with equally contemptuous indifference as the last rays of the sun one warm drowsy summer afternoon were falling aslant the shady streets of olympia mr longmire's well-worn family carryall drawn by two fat grass-fed horses came rattling down the main street at a most unusual pace for them two bright flags attached to alpine staffs one projecting from each door fluttered gaily overhead while the occupants of the carriage looked eagerly forth to catch the first glimpse of welcoming friends we returned after our tramp of two hundred and forty miles with visages tanned and sun-scorched and with forms as lean and gaunt as greyhounds and were received and lionized to the full like veterans returning from an arduous and glorious campaign for days afterwards in walking along the smooth and level pavements we felt a strong impulse to step high as though still striding over the innumerable fallen logs and boughs of the forest and for weeks our appetites were a source of astonishment to our friends and somewhat mortifying to ourselves more than two months had elapsed before mr van trump fully recovered from his hurts we published at the time short newspaper accounts of the ascent and although an occasional old puget sounder will still growl they say they went to the top of mount rainier but i'd like to see them prove it we were justly regarded as the first and as i believe the only ones up to the present time who have ever achieved the summit of tacoma end of part three end of first successful ascent of mount rainier eighteen seventy by hazard stevens